from there, it's like, okay, I think I have a new brand. And that's how it started. I just ranted about something that I think about. Yeah. Which is actually a good tip in general. Like if you want to start something, start on something that you, even if you think it's boring or you think other people won't like it, at least you're passionate about it or you have a lot to say. All right. We are live. Today I have on Jerry Leo. He is a content operations manager at ByteDance. On his YouTube channel, uh, his description reads, I started my first YouTube channel called Jerry Leo Films for fun. Developed into multiple brands. Since 2011, I've gained more than 30 million views, partnered with multiple channel networks like Full Screen and BBTV. Besides YouTube, he's also experimented with other digital media platforms. He got featured on Joseph Gordon-Levitt's Hit Record, which won an Emmy Award in 2014. He put some of his work on China's biggest social network, Yoku, or excuse me, video channel Yoku, and gained over half a million views on that platform. And overall, Jerry has just ex experimented with tons of different types of media, which allowed him to now land his current position as a content operations manager. So Jerry, thank you for coming on. I appreciate the time. Thank you. Thanks for um interview. Thanks for this. Um, I look forward to sharing and answering any questions. Definitely. Definitely. So I like to start with this one. Uh, what's the most exciting thing you're working on right now? And why is that? So the most exciting thing I'm working on, and if anyone wants to message me, whether on LinkedIn or on Twitter or YouTube or whatever, you're welcome to join. Um, I built my own discord server finally. So discord is imagine if you combine zoom and Twitter and Slack together. So it's basically a complete community building ecosystem mm -hmm. for, for a community. In this case, my audience, I have about um, almost 40,000 on one of my channels and almost 50,000 on another one of my YouTube channels. And for the past probably six months, I've gotten almost every day, someone's like, Jerry, please create a Discord. And I've resisted it because, you know, it, I, I'm okay with how I was, but then mm -hmm. I finally this week or maybe it was last week I said okay, okay let's do it I'll, I'll, I believe you guys you guys have spoken so I went on discord you can create a server for free and I created a server and now there's probably like 400 or 500 of my audience on there and basically you just you built a complete ecosystem people can talk on there like we're doing yeah. people can write on there people can find interests that they can talk about so it's almost like if I created my own more focused and more interactive Reddit community. It's really cool. Yeah. So that's my biggest project right now. Okay. Now that I've built this discord, I have my core audience there. How can I monetize? How can I get them to promote me? Because, you know, I did this for them. You know, I want something back. I want ROI. So that's kind of my biggest project right now. And I mean, just the fact that I built this discord community from scratch is pretty cool in itself. But again, I, I'm, I got to eat. I got to survive. So the yeah. next time is, how do I go from there? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's super exciting. You're the first person I've talked to that's mentioned anything about that. So are you, do you have to have a community you already built and bring them on Discord or can you actually build a community on Discord as well? Yeah, so you can do three things. You can do what I do. You could build a community. You can also join community. So basically any Discord server you um you can join um some of them have more rules than others but like for mine as long as you're you have an account on discord and it's been five minutes you can join so um you can join you could build or you could start from scratch it's harder to start from scratch 
what Discord started out as is for gamers. So mm -hmm. people, let's say, play League of Legends. They found some cool people. They're like, hey, let's have a community outside of League of Legends. And when we play League of Legends, we can also go on Discord and chat and brainstorm and, like, talk as a team. So that's yeah. what it started as. But what I've been realizing, and part of it was I want to thank my fans for telling me about this. A lot of YouTubers, a lot of influencers, maybe even Instagram people who don't even have YouTube channels, they're mm -hmm. like, well, on Instagram, it's very – hierarchical like i put out something and then they respond so how yeah. do i make it more even you know i want to get ideas from them i want to interact with them more too so yeah. a lot of instagram followers not followers a lot of instagram influencers started getting on discord so once i saw that i realized okay this could be something to even out the playing field because we can talk about content creation one of the biggest things one of the biggest challenges of content creation is sometimes you don't have ideas sometimes mm -hmm. you're looking for inspiration yeah. And if now, because of my Discord server, I have 400 people to give me ideas and inspiration. That's pretty cool. I'll never run out of ideas anymore. No, no, not at all. Uh, yeah, no, that definitely is a, a huge bottleneck. I mean, I would, I would love to be able to get more inspiration myself for content um, without having to wait for comments to trickle in, you know, like more mm -hmm. live, like Discord. Uh, kind of continuing on that thread, where do you see Discord going for building communities? Like, how do you see it playing into people's social media ecosystem for their businesses? Um, I definitely think that Discord's going to play a much bigger role, especially since YouTube's been angering a lot of people with all their content changes. So many channels, even channels that I follow that aren't even controversial, they get demonetized once in a while. So people are looking for the next thing, of course, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and nothing's going to replace YouTube in the meantime, at least for video content streaming. But the community aspect, I think there will be platforms like Discord or other things that will very likely substitute. So I even have this feeling very likely, let's say if you build a big enough following on YouTube or Instagram or something, you might be able to jump ship almost. And whether on Patreon or on Discord, you just have that community and that's your community. And you can just find another way to ROI from the community and not because making content, man, it's not always easy to yeah. constantly be, you know, you have to be constantly on your feet. So maybe there's a way for people who like the community part of content creation more than the content creation to take that community and just turn it into something self-sustaining for them. So that's where I see Discord very likely taking over or helping another group of people who are entrepreneurial in that way. Huh? That's super interesting. Yeah, because I feel like that is a totally separate skill set. The, the group management and the, the group kind of, yeah, I guess group management is the best way to put it. Creation or management versus the content creation, which is like mm -hmm. now I feel like it's almost like people don't separate those two. Like you have to build up a community via content, but like mm -hmm. you're talking about maybe, uh, separating those two it sounds like exactly exactly so how would people gain a following then say on a service like discord where it's not content based like say have you thought of any ways where people could actually grow communities on those yeah, types so, of platforms um it's a chicken or egg thing okay. because if you don't have the following how do you how do you grow it <laughs> so i think yeah. the easy way would be for you and this probably goes back to the original topic of the talk is you have to build your following you have to build your following by creating content or adding some value to people's lives. So then maybe start thinking about a discord because it's really hard if you don't have some kind of established, I don't even want to say authority. That sounds very like uh, uppity, but like if you have some sort of established thing, then it's easier for 
you then then to convince people to be like, okay, come here where we can do this. Hmm. Yeah. No, that's really interesting though, because yeah, if you had some sort of authority or reason for people to listen to you, it's like if you could get the right group together, that would be almost motivation enough for a lot of people to come if it's the right the right group. Yeah. Um, that's super interesting. Oh man. So what I love that you're really into testing all these channels. What channels do you see as being the most underutilized by businesses and marketers right now? I think um, I can just show you my, my um, phone real quick. I think Instagram is mm. something that more businesses should definitely use. I mean, mm. obviously I could talk for hours about YouTube and I'll, I'll be ready to also argue that YouTube is very underutilized, but mm-hmm. I'm just thinking from my Instagram, I haven't spent much time on it and I only have about 500 followers on Instagram. But like when I post something, it gets so much engagement. The engagement on Instagram compared to my subscriber number is probably even higher than, than on, um, than my YouTube engagement rate. Because so look at this. I reached about, I don't know if you can see this. I reached about 225 people with this post and the engagement, so the likes and comments are way over 30. Yeah. So, you know, my engagement rate on YouTube is very high compared to the average YouTuber. And that's what makes my YouTube community unique. Like, I get anywhere from 5% to 10% engagement rate on YouTube, which is crazy. But yeah. uh, if, you, if you just do 30 divided by 225, that's about the same. Yeah. So, like, I'm getting the similar amount of engagement rate on Instagram. And all I'm doing is posting pictures and using the right tags. So if you learn to use the right tags, learn to, you know, I always give someone a shout out. So if you learn these, these little tips, you could potentially build an Instagram following a lot quicker if you devoted this much time that I devote to YouTube to Instagram. Yeah. What's your, what's your uh, handle on Instagram? Um, Jerry LIU films. So if you search Jerry LIU films on mo- most platforms, you should be able to find me. Okay, perfect. Yeah. I'm going to check yours out and look at yours for some of the content content. This yeah. I'm so bad. I'm still learning Instagram. <laughs> just, just sorry with that. Um, okay. So we'll talk, we'll talk a little bit about your channel, man. Cause that's so interesting. So, okay. In your introduction, I, I made an error. Uh, that was actually your, that was from your LinkedIn about your bio, about what you've done work wise on your channel description. It says, my name is Jerry Liu. I studied philosophy, politics, and economics in college at the university of Pennsylvania. I've always mm-hmm. been intellectually curious. The channel explores my immigrant experience, sex and gender issues evolutionary biology, psychology, relationships, parenting, politics, culture, and history. Basically, I'm here to explore society and learn from people. So how did you decide that that was going to work for a channel? What was the decision process like and how has that worked out so far? Yeah, um, this is one of the funniest stories because when I first, so this channel actually has a very funny origin. So what happened was Google forced Google Plus on everyone on YouTube. So I had another channel called Jerry Lee Films. That's my original channel. Mm-hmm. And Google forced us to all adopt Google Plus handles. And so what happened was when that happened, a lot of my viewers who just wanted to be more anonymous, they wanted to troll, they, they quit. They, they stopped watching uh, my videos. Yeah. They didn't want to create a Google Plus account. So my Jerry Lee Films went from 30,000 views per video to like 10,000, 5,000, 1,000 views. So yeah. this Google, this Jerry Liu channel actually was created just because I was forced to create it. And then I moved to LA in 2016 and I thought, okay, I have this Jerry Liu film channel where I interview people 
and do funny stuff like social experiments. What can I do with this Jerry Liu channel just sitting there? So I ended up trying to rant on it and I hid all my first rants because they were cringeworthy and you can tell I was trying to find my way. Yeah. So like, um, I was trying to put up a persona and everything, but it just didn't work. And then one day, you know, I, I love to think about life, especially there's natural differences between people. And I just did a rant. I, I, I was so cringed out now by that rant. I felt like I didn't speak well. So I, I hit that. So <laughs> for those who watch, you can't find it anymore. But I ranted about this concept called niatni. You know, certain people, they just retain juvenile features, whether in their in their voice or in their face or et cetera. So <laughs> you I ranted about that? Yeah, niatni. Yeah. So I talked about that and that video just like, got like 10,000 views. This is a channel that had no following. Yeah, so yeah. it was yeah. awesome. And then from there, it's like, okay, I think I have a new brand. And that's how it started. I just ranted about something that I think about. Yeah. Which is actually a good tip in general. Like if you want to start something, start on something that you, even if you think is boring or you think other people won't like it, at least you're passionate about it or you have a lot to say. Huh. Yeah, that's really interesting, but it's true. You can always tell. It's really captivating whenever you can tell when somebody's really engrossed in something and they're not just parroting. Mm -hmm. uh, it does make all the difference. Because, yeah, in your videos, you do everyone. You seem like all the rants, at least you seem like you're really into it. Like you're just going down, <laughs> uh, which is cool. <laughs> I've heard, I've actually heard that advice now from a lot of YouTubers and different things, like really different styles, but that exact thing, like you have to actually really get into what you're presenting. Uh, let's see. So the gender roles, uh, how did you get interested in that? Did it start when you were studying, you know, uh, behavior and economics in school or was this, uh, something you got into after Cause you talk, so, I know you do go over a little bit of stuff going on on dating shows, things like that. I think you know, the gender thing, it actually goes very deep. So when I was young from, I think when I was three until I was maybe seven, I really wanted to be a girl. So I probably had what you would call gender dysphoria. Yeah, so I really yeah, yeah. wanted to be a girl. I just saw that, hey, um, if you're a girl, you treat more gently. And I was like, why can't I be treated more gently? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so I wanted to be a girl. And then my parents moved the family back to China. And in China, it's just more rough. You know, it's the 90s. It's before China really had its current boom. Okay. So I was, I was fighting people every day in school. And I think that, oh, that masculinizes your brain pretty easy. So I stopped wanting to be a girl after I moved back to China. But so this issue of, hey, you know, what does gender mean? You know, if you're, bo if you're born a male, can you think you're a female, et cetera? It's always been on my mind. Yeah. So I guess that's, that's what got me to occasionally share stories about gender. And then, of course, you, you get a little older. When I was a senior in college, you know, I started reading up on literature that said, you know, women and men are different. Yeah, and, you know, I've gone through my life because of how the Western world, it tries to minimize this type of thought. You know, women can do everything men can do, just like men can do everything women can do. But then I'm reading all these other people. They're like, no, you know, women's brains are slightly different. I had a neuroscience professor that flat out told me men and women's brains are different. This yeah. was sophomore year of college. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, men. You know, I'm like, you're a neuroscientist. Are you supposed to like say the PC thing? Yeah. And he's like, no, their brains are different. Yeah. And so like you, you, you have different types of literature, you have different types of people tell you these things. So you're just like, okay, now let's explore from maybe a slightly objective or slightly mature way how men and women are different. And, you know, people who don't identify as men and women, okay, how, what, what is potentially going on in their heads? What are societal causes? What are genetic causes? What are maybe neonatal causes? That's what got me interested in all that. Huh. 
That's interesting. It sounds like there are a lot of different things in your life that really made a big impact. What, what do you think was bigger experiencing the difference in culture from the U S versus China and just the way culture is in Western countries? Or do you think it was like the fighting in school and the change in your personality? Um, bigger impact. I think probably experiencing the difference in culture mm. um, because the fighting in school thing was very personal. Like I never thought that it would make me more manly. And yeah. I didn't even realize maybe that was part of the reason um, until, until when I started my channel. But you definitely notice differences in culture between um, not just culture, but just how people act, which I guess isn't, can't be always lumped under culture between, let's say, Western women and East Asian women or even any other immigrant group, you know, African women and you know, American women or Latina women and blah, blah, blah. So you definitely notice all of that. And you, you get a little, especially when you get, I'm 27. So you get to my age, you start seeing, okay, um, Asian women, their thirties, they, they start maybe not aging as quickly or as soon as let's say Caucasian women in their thirties, stuff like that. So you start noticing these little differences and you start wondering, Hey, why, what, what's going on? And, um, I think what my channel does is I try, you know, sometimes I do curse, I do troll, but I at least try at least most of the time, 80% of the time to be mature about it. So I'll look up literature, I'll look up science, I'll bring on guests, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not the channel that, that will say, oh yeah, you know, all women are whores, which you do get some <laughs> channels like that. And I'm just like, guys, come on, let's move past that. Yeah, let's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's, let's moderate this. Uh, so, geez, oh, so many questions. So, okay. You're saying that your experience was probably the bigger impact. What was the biggest difference for you culturally? Um, you know, in the news now, you'll see a lot of a lot of articles saying like, "Oh, sexual revolution in China." It's the same as as the West. What was your experience being the biggest difference in gender roles between China and the U.S.? I'm assuming those are the only places you've lived because you've mentioned those. Yeah, but exactly. Anywhere, just anywhere. lived in China, lived in America. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I would say in China, there's still everyone still wants to have a family. Okay. Everyone still prioritizes. Okay, we got to have a family. Mm-hmm. We got to have kids. Because, so there's still a lot of what you maybe call traditionalism. Okay. Whereas in the in the West, I would say, especially in America, because that's what I know the most, there's a more likelihood to be like, okay, let's let's potentially get my PhD or let's work a few years before we have kids or get mm-hmm. married. So mm-hmm. the the there's a maybe delay in marriage or a delay in having kids that you don't see as much in China. In China, there's a funny saying it's better to hire women that have had two kids because China has a two kid policy because okay. you know, they're done having kids. So now you can work them to death. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you have the consistency. Yeah. The consistency that, yeah. you know, and then, so you, and when I was at bite dance, um, I had a supervisor for a while. Um, she had two kids and she was like, she worked her way up after having two kids. And I think this, this happens a lot in China. People are really ambitious, especially women. You have your kids, you make sure they're okay for a few years and then you go back into the workforce and just make a da-jiang-shen, as you say it in Chinese, you, you make a career out of yourself. Da-jiang-shen. <laughs> what does that mean? It means, it means um, conquer the nation, but I'm just using it figuratively, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got it. Um, oh man, that's awesome. So you mentioned Byte Dance. Let's go there a little bit. So Byte Dance, you're a content operations manager. Uh, it appears as though you got that position based on the work you've done yourself personally testing all these different channels with your own side projects. Is that correct? And if so, what can other people do to get those kind of jobs just developing their own skill set? Yeah. So 
Um, the job I had before ByteDance and the job at ByteDance both, both were found for me. So because of my social media following, mm-hmm. um, I was at Network of One before I was at ByteDance and a recruiter found me probably through some of my LinkedIn, probably through some of my Indeed, um, Indeed's another job search account, and probably from my YouTube videos. So, um, and then ByteDance was the same. A recruiter found me through LinkedIn, I believe, and they saw my YouTube channels and my social media activities. So I think for me, what really worked, I mean, I'm not going to pretend it was easy, but Mm. what really worked was just continually just being persistent about building my own brand and always putting content out there, putting my, putting myself out there and creating stuff that could link back to me, be associated with me. So if I want to work in a field where that's important, which if you're going to work in any kind of media, any kind of digital media, even any kind of tech, any kind of marketing, you need to show you understand the digital media market. So it definitely showed through um, whether it's my LinkedIn posts or my YouTube or my Twitter, etc. So that's what I recommend to everyone. Um, we're in an age now because the world is connected. I mean, any place, even like a poor countryside in China, they have cell phones. Mm-hmm. So everyone has to be their own brand. You mm-hmm. can't be anonymous anymore. I mean, unless you want to be a hermit or, you know, maybe you, you want to join the army, be like an army person for the rest of your life. I mean, there are very few careers where you can just not have something. I'm not saying go the other extreme, create a Snapchat, create an Elo, create a, you know, everything, but like, at least have one or two social media platforms or something public that you can control a little bit that shows off your best side. Or, I mean, I don't think I would show off my best side, but at least shows off something about your personality that people can get a little vibe on you. Get a so little vibe on. Yeah. So many people, they're like, Oh no. Like I, I know people, they are tutors. Yeah. You're teaching, yeah. but they don't even have any social media. So yeah. you literally, you're doing all the work. You have to go find people to teach. Why not put out a few videos or, SEO on search engine. So people who are looking for, let's say a Korean tutor or a Chinese tutor or an English tutor, they can find you. Yeah. Right. So think, think smart and think lazy. I think that's a good way to describe it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very true. It's very true. I, I have a ton of people I know just like your tutor friend who just refused to do anything entrepreneurial. Uh, so how did you get, how did you know that social media was going to be this big? Cause it looks like you've been involved in this since, since college, really building your own personal brand, your profile doing a lot of tests with your own media. Uh, Can you talk about when you decided to really go after that career path and how that, Mm -hmm. how you made that decision? So I think there were, there were two big moments, maybe even three, but I'll talk about the first two. So I've actually had a YouTube channel since, excuse me, 2006, I believe. Um, And on that channel, so my parents used to have all these old Chinese music videos and I'd rip them and put them on YouTube. (laughs) And some of those videos got 10,000 views, 20,000 views. And this was 2006. So that was pretty amazing. But I didn't understand because I didn't have equipment and I didn't have any kind of incentive because back then nothing was even monetized. So I didn't have any incentive or equipment to really know, okay, how do I turn this that I'm doing into something that can benefit me? Because back then my account, you can still find it, it's called seventh stooge. Like I used to be into three stooges. So I was yeah. the seventh stooge and um, it was just like me promoting Chinese culture, but how did it benefit me monetarily or anything? And so I, I let that account go for a while and I didn't mm-hmm. do anything on it. So 2011 um, I was trying to apply my pen degree 
and I was working at a think tank. I was in the DC public policy circle and I just was not a fan. I, I don't like arguing politics with people. I don't like being with opinionated people. I feel like you can never get anything done. Yeah. So out of my misery slash anchor, I just created another YouTube channel. And then yeah. Epic Rap Battles of History was trending back then. So I tried to copy them. I started <laughs> rapping, which yeah. you're, you're never going to find this on my old channel. It's, too, awful, it's, yeah, it's too cringe. But I started rapping. And mm. those videos, even though they were so bad, just because of SEO, which I didn't even understand it back then, but yeah. because people were searching for it, just randomly, it was shooting up one video, got 2,000 views in a day. This was 2011, oh, wow. this was very different. And I deleted yeah. it immediately because I was like, oh, fuck, I don't want to be associated with this. <laughs> with this but rap video. That this has potential. Mm. So I went, I my last year of college, I took a lot of video production classes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm going to prepare myself for this channel. And so once I graduated, I said, okay, let's, let's just start doing stuff. And what really, really got me... Um, what really, really got me to decide, okay, it's, this channel has potential. This is my direction. Mm -hmm. but, you know, you, you have, there's, there's like part of life is you decide you're going to do something, but then the hard part is, okay, how do I do something consistently? That's what a lot of people struggle with. Well, what happened was I had a friend who he was really bored. Like he's very Russian. So he's like very blunt with me. He's like, Judy, I'm helping you not because I believe in you, but because I don't have anything better to do. So he was just bored. Really vote and of confidence. Yeah, exactly. It was yeah. a very bad vote of confidence, but at yeah. least he was there for me yeah. as a friend. Yeah. So once I found that person who helped me, even though every time I filmed with him, we would get to blows almost because he'd always try to diss me. Be like, dude, this is stupid, man. What are you doing? But he's, I'd still convince him. It yeah. helps It felt, helps train your producing abilities. He's like, I don't give a fuck what you think. We're going to do this. Um, this but is happening. Yeah. So slowly that channel be through this, like through this guy who kind of half-heartedly helped me. Yeah. It got to a thousand subscribers. And then that's when I knew, okay, I think, I think I got something here. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. So I think that 2013 was the first, first part of it. And when I really started understanding the potential of it was when I engaged a singer. It's really sad because she kind of almost gave up on YouTube. But back then, she had like 30,000 or maybe not even 30,000, like 3,000. Shows how the digital media has changed. She had 3,000 extremely loyal Twitter followers. As in if she tweeted, 3,000 people would legitimately see it. Like okay. now, if you have 30,000, you probably would be lucky if 3,000 of your Twitter followers like did something with it. But Yeah, yeah, not as responsive as it used to be. Exactly. Yeah. So I engaged her because I met her when I was visiting LA. She was performing in Santa Monica and I, I said hi to her. She's really cute. So I was like, I want to talk to her. Yeah, and then yeah. I bought one of her CDs. I'm like, I'm going to do something with this. And I did. I, I used her song and I, I made a really stupid video with it. But it was really, it was stupid enough that it was even without, without her song, it would have probably gotten some views. So she saw it. She thought it was pretty cool. She retweeted it. Oh my god! And gosh. then suddenly this video got like 10,000 views just because her fans all yeah. saw it. They all shared it. Yeah. So it got 10,000 views in a week. It was the first time my own creation blew up that quickly. What, and what year, what year was this? Um, this was 2013. Oh, okay. So this was even before anyone understood influencer marketing or any yeah. of these concepts, but she was like, I kind of utilized, you know, I, I, I didn't, I used her social media following to help myself. And so. that's when I realized, wow, there, there's some potential to this. Imagine if a brand or a, 
a, a product or something did this. So in 2013, I was working in journalism. 2014, I quit journalism. I went into PR. And I saw that PR was such a dinosaur. Their paradigm was, okay, how do we pitch journalists? How do we pitch traditional media? How do we get featured in advertising? Not advertising. How do we get featured in newspapers? How do we get featured in magazines? How do we get our products that we represent featured on TV? And I'm telling them, like, we got this YouTube thing here. I, I've sh I can show you examples of how, you know, little things can get reach so many people. And you don't have to annoy journalists. You literally just have to get on someone's attention and then boom. So it's, I was trying to convince the PR agency that this is the way to go. Yeah. And of course, they didn't really understand. I mean, I showed them. I showed them some examples like I got one of their clients into two newspapers just by making a video. I didn't have to pitch any journalists. I didn't have to annoy anyone in the well, media. Like how? Like what do you mean? How, how did that work? So what I did was I just created something that everyone wanted to share. I created something that reached people emotionally. On YouTube, they always tell you there's something called hero content. Basically, it's content that touches everyone. And then they were like, oh, uh, this is so cool. Uh, let me share it with my friends. I just created something like that. And then journalists watch YouTube too. You know, they're looking for cool stuff. They're bored. They're, they need stress relaxation. Yeah. So they saw the video and then I wish they asked me before they put it up, but like they just wrote an article about it. It's like, Oh, look at this. It's so cool. Blah, blah, blah. And I wish, but you know, I'm glad they didn't bother me because Hey, I, I didn't even need to give them Do anything. Yeah. Wrote a pretty good article. You see, you see yeah. what I, what, what I mean by be lazy, but be smart about it. Like, yeah. Instead of me trying to reach out to journalists and pitch them a story and send them a press kit, I just created a video, which took time and editing took time, but at least it was more in line with my brand and where sort of media is going. And this was, this was 2013 as well. This right? was 2014. 2014. Okay. So I took that experience. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should just YouTube full-time. So I tried to YouTube full-time in 2014 for a little bit and it just wasn't working. Part of it was because I was having family problems, okay. but I didn't give up on it. I said, you know what? I'm still going to keep going at, at this. And so what happened was 2015, I decided to give it a go again. And I moved back to LA. And so 2016 is when you, I created, like, I think it was literally January was when I created my first video for uh, this channel that you found me on. And because I already had a channel and let's be honest, what, what, what do you know when you start your first channel? Yeah. So I wasn't doing everything correctly. So I decided in a way it's good. Let's take this channel that was forced on me by Google, forcing Google plus on everyone. <laughs> let's just, instead of feeling it was forced on me, let's take it as an opportunity to learn some lessons and then do it right. And yeah. so that's what I did. 2016 is when I, I think I started doing YouTube correctly. Oh, wow. So you kind of were starting from scratch on that channel then. Yeah, I started from scratch on that channel. And then within four months, it already had more subscribers than the other channel. Oh, wow. So, and then I actually started another channel. Yeah. And that channel actually beat my the current channel that we're talking about within a year. So every time you get better and better. So what, um, oh, man. What uh, like what advice would you have for someone now, like 2018? Because YouTube is a little more competitive. Mm -hmm. What what advice would you have for someone that wants to start building a personal brand right now? Um, give me one second. I'm just gonna plug in my laptop just to make sure it doesn't run out of batteries. Yeah, no but, problem. So, one thing I always tell people is, there's a lot of lessons, a lot of resources out there already. So. Go do your research first. I had a friend, you know, he's a great guy. He's helped me before. So I'm not knocking him, but this is common. That's why I'm telling this story. 
he's like, oh, Jay, I want to start a YouTube channel. And he sent me some ideas. I'm like, cool, let's talk about it. So a week later, he still hadn't moved on from anything. He literally was still asking me the basics. I'm like, so this week or these two weeks, you haven't done any research. You haven't looked into it yourself. So I would recommend don't be that passive if you're really serious about starting your own brand or leveraging digital media. Do your own research. Look at the channels that work. Look at people. There's probably lots of interviews like the ones we're doing about people who are on social media and what's worked for them, what they think, where it's going. So like learn, be proactive about it. So that way, potentially you could even start out even stronger than I am now. You learn from my mistakes, you learn from other people's mistakes. So when you decide to really go for it, you're prepared. You have a plan of action, you know, business plan. I don't like that word, but some kind of plan of action. Yeah. That's my first piece of advice. And second, I think is even more general. It's just that it's big, it's saturated, but there's a reason why it's big and it's saturated it's because it's still growing. So there's yeah. still a lot of opportunity, a lot of potential. It is still a wild, wild west and the wild, wild west is getting wilder and wilder with society. But it's, it's think of it, reframe it as there's a lot of opportunity. So, um, I mean, if we wanted to do, let, let's say like an actionable three steps, the first step is do your research. Right. Second step is figure out what your interests are, what your passions are. So that way through that research, you can determine the third step. Okay. Where do I start? I think, I think that's a good little three step. I love it. No, that's, that's, that's perfect. Um, man, unfortunately I had someone reschedule and I got to jump off soon. Mm-hmm. I wish we could keep going. Cause it sounds like I know with business, I could talk to you probably for hours about business mm-hmm. stuff. Um, what else though, before I, before I leave, what, what, is there anything else that I, I should have asked you that I didn't or that you just think people should know if they're trying to get into creating anything online? Um, I think the most important thing is um, think about ROI. Yeah. Think about if I'm putting two hours into this, is it worth it? I've got so many friends and I can even, not even just friends, but like companies, they spend, let's say, a week, two weeks, three weeks working on a video or working on something. And let's say they put it out on the social media space and it gets 200 views. Was that worth it? I mean, maybe artistic fulfillment, it was worth it, but think about growth. Think about brand building. Think about making money. Think about if that was worth it. That's that's what I would post to people. So, you know, we all want to do our passions. We all want to show our best side, but sometimes we also have to think about, okay, is this going to get me somewhere? And if it doesn't, everyone has multiple interests. Everyone has multiple talents. So think about if another one of your talents saves you time and money. So your ROI, your return on investment on it's better. So that's what I would say because the, the digital media world's ruthless, man. You could get zero views. You get two views or even worse yet. What if you get 20 views and all of them are like telling you to go die. That's like the worst of the worst. You're not getting views. And it's all hate, right? If you yeah. get a lot of views and you get hate, that's awesome. But if you yeah. get no views and it's hate, that's really bad. It's all, it's all bad. <laughs> yeah. That is, that is a horrible situation. Um, yeah. Man, well, we definitely could keep going forever. Uh, Jerry, I will cut it. and We can chat after, but I really appreciate the time. Thank you for coming on and talking to me a little bit about how you, you, you know, became a success on YouTube. Definitely. Thank you so much, man. This was a pleasure. Yeah, definitely. We'll have to do it again.